Welcome to the Great Loop Radio podcast, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, our topic is watching your wake. And, you know, somehow in the world of social media, this has become a controversial topic. Um, you know, whose fault is it when a wake happens and things are damaged? And we're going to stay out of the legalities of that. Uh, but my guest will be Brian Brown. He is a gold looper. He has spent much time working on boats. And we're going to let him kind of give you his background when we officially introduced him. But first, as always, I want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes and Associates, Great Loop Yacht Sales, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners and viewers to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. And now to officially welcome Brian Brown to the Great Loop Radio podcast. Brian, thanks for joining me today. Good morning. Thank you. We're, we're thrilled to have you here, and, and we're happy that you're willing to jump into this topic because, I, as I said, it somehow has become controversial. Um, but let's just start off. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, and I know you had a career in the marine industry, so let's hear about that. Um, career in the marine industry uh, actually started when I was uh, a young man. Um, my mother's family were boat builders in New England, uh, so I was around boat yards and watching my uncles build uh, motor yachts. Um, so got a liking to uh, boats. And then in the uh, 80s, um, I started uh, working as a marine technician, um, had a small shop on the Illinois River. Then I moved to uh, New England area and uh, worked at a small marina in Swansea, Massachusetts, right off of Mount Hope Bay, uh, and then worked for a dealer in the Cape um, for a couple of years, delivering, uh, several different makes and models. Uh, then back to the Midwest, switched gears, worked for a, uh, a, uh, bass boat, uh, Lund dealer and, uh, learned my way around outboards. Um, did a lot of training and, and work on outboards and stern drives and then switched gears again and went back to a, uh, uh, dealer on the Illinois River uh, that sold Carvers, Vikings, uh, Navigators, big boats. So I kind of switched gears back and forth and uh, made a career out of it until the early 2000s. I switched gears again and I uh, what became uh, got a hired at a, a petrochemical plant and I worked as a millwright for and retired as a millwright. So been around boats and and the whole time I worked as a millwright. I still bought and sold boats. I like that. I just had to have my hands on a boat. It's in your blood. It sounds like, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously some very deep experiences there. Um, but now you can add to that gold looper because you finished your own great loop late last year. So tell us about that. Tell us about your boat and just kind of what were the highlights of your great loop? So to start out with uh, the great loop, uh, um, adventure uh was a bucket list item from way back <clears throat> my father uh uh talked about this trip called the circle and uh he was waiting this goes way back when he was waiting for the tom bigby waterway to open that's right uh, and and he had purchased a 29 he, he, 
we always had boats, family boats, but he had purchased the boat specifically for this trip, a 29 foot rough water that was able, he was able to trailer it, had a diesel, had a great cruise range because he was afraid there would be no place to get fuel when he was doing the trip on the 10 time. Um, he bought the boat, played around with it a little bit. And in 1990, he was ready to, to take the trip. He had a massive heart attack and passed away. So he was never able to complete that trip. So it was always something that I had dreamt that I would do when I retired. And uh, the key component, which most people are not that thrilled with doing, was his big thrill was to do the 10 Tom because it was some waterway that he had read about for years that they were going to complete. So um, when we completed that, that was a, uh, you know, a bucket list item and uh, finished it for Badad. But so our loop started in 2000 and 2016. Uh, we bought a 26 foot cutwater and I was trying to simulate my dad's trip. It was a trailerable boat, uh, had a diesel in it. Um, and we were still working. So we segment loop from 2016 to 2020 um, with that and did several different trips. In 2020, the COVID year, we decided that would be a year that we could social distance if we were on our boat. So we ran it from uh, Green Turtle Bay because we had already completed the trip from Michigan to Green Turtle Bay. So we launched it at Green Turtle Bay and ran it down to Marathon Key, and then from Marathon Key up to Stewart, and then we decided we needed a bigger boat. So, uh, because we were full-time, we had just retired. Um, so we went over to Fort, ran across the Okeechobee, and then sold the boat, put it on a trailer, sold the boat, and then we purchased another boat, um, which we were trying to find one in Florida because we had completed this that section um, unfortunately the boat that we, not unfortunately, but the boat that we bought was actually in a marina 40 miles north of where we originally started the loop at in, in Wisconsin. So <laughs> we, we did a completely, a part of our trip last year was a repeat, which was actually for me was more fun because, uh, a lot of the anxiety of the rivers and all that, we had already done it. So, um, um, and, and the boat that we purchased was a uh, 34 foot main ship pilot, um, twin engine, barely economical. Um, and we, it was like our perfect size boat, small though. Yeah, that's actually one that's kind of on our list if we downsize and we have not decided what's next, but the main ship pilot is a really nice boat if you are looking for something that can still be moved over roads and, and trailered. I don't know if we would trailer it ourselves but anyway it's a beautiful boat um so you have uh kind of spoken up a lot and um you know really chimed in in our discussion forum on a lot of kind of the boat maintenance issues and really shared a lot of expertise and we appreciate that um but one thing that piqued my interest this past fall as loopers were coming down the river system was some of your posts regarding throwing a wake um and I've mentioned that somehow this has become a controversial topic on social media where, where many things become controversial. Um, but we have actually uh, banned what we call on our big social media group, wake shaming, um, because people would regularly be posting a close up picture of a, a looper boat throwing a wake. 
there's lots of things that can go along with that and you know not showing where the boat was all those kinds of things and and you know our position is that if someone is being discourteous and possibly dangerous with a wake that that is a uh, the best way to resolve that is captain to captain that said nothing is uh, kind of more painful for me than to get reports of people out there flying the great loop burgee and being extremely uh, unsafe and discourteous with their wake. Um, we had a long-term uh, multi-loop member who kind of took down his burgee in protest a few months ago um, after he was tied up in a no-wake zone and was waked repeatedly by people flying the burgee. So it's something we really struggle to kind of um, make sure the information gets out. Because I, I do believe that most of the time when loopers are being discourteous like that, it is more out of ignorance than truly trying to be discourteous. Now, um, that's my take. Um, but there's different times when and, and different rules on wakes. So like I said, we are not here to discuss the legality of you being responsible for your wake. Um, yes, there are certainly circumstances that I've seen where somebody's like, well, I got a big wake and my TV fell off and it broke and you probably should have had that TV more secured. <laughs> if you are on a boat and you're out on the water, it is not always going to be a smooth ride. But that said, there is a way to be safe and courteous with your wake. And that's kind of what we want to talk about. So, um, you know, talk about, Brian, first kind of tell us what you experienced out there as the looper flotillas were coming through and you were helping out some of the marinas along the waterway, uh, kind of winterized for the season. So in, in the past, um, and I brought this up, <clears throat> excuse me, this year because of the uh, the lock, the, the way the lock situation was where we were going to have large flotillas going down the rivers. And, you know, years of working on the river, years of being on the river, um, the fall migration is is a common, common practice. It happens every year. And I actually, as a, a boater on the river, I was always kind of excited about it because that was one of my bucket list things to do. And, you know, you see the sailboats coming down, you see some of the big power boats that they've got captains on board that are navigating the boats from the Great Lakes down to the Florida for the winter. And then you got your cruisers, your loopers and, and uh, just general cruisers that, that kind of cruise the river systems and go down to Florida. And, and that normally that migration happens in the fall. So I worked at a marina on the Illinois River and our uh, our travel lift and our our fuel dock was on the river and in the fall of the year that's when we have all of our boats that are in the marina or ones that come down from chicago to get hauled out of the water our staging is the fuel dock to put them into the travel lift and to put them into into storage for the winter so when this migration starts 90 percent of the time the boaters would slow down and you'd always have that 10% that they were leaving a pretty good wake. And we would have boats that sometimes got damaged, sometimes pilings. And, uh, you know, we were inside the boats a lot of times doing preparation for winterize. And we're getting tossed around because a few people didn't slow down. So this year, with the big migration of uh, loopers because they were all staging up in Chicago. I thought, you know, I had to put something out there. Just, just a common courtesy reminder that there, there's going to be 15 boats coming through 
in one group and and in the fall of the year if we have decent days you got there's boat ramps there's fishermen that 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 uh enjoy the sport of fishing on the river they're all out there and is if everybody's doing the courtesy run you're not going to get wake but if people are trying to maintain the speed of the lead boat and get to the lock all at the same time and they're going a little bit faster it could be a little chaotic out there so um that was why i was a little bit vocal this year about not vocal i i put a post on the a forum um just watch your wake if you see fishermen out there if you go by a boat ramp slow down if you go by the marinas slow down and and uh give them a break yeah. And, you know, I think um, sometimes some of our boaters who have been boaters on the Great Lakes have never really had to worry about this. If you're out in the middle of a lot of big open water, um, your wake is not going to travel far enough to have a big impact on boaters near shore or docks near shore. So I think and that's where, you know, when I said I think often it's not an intentional mistake it is more out of just not understanding that on a narrower body of water there are more reasons to slow down so what we're trying to do today is kind of educate all of the loopers and soon to be loopers on the kind of things that are going to impact your wake and the kind of things you should slow down for so let's kind of start at the beginning talk about a wake and the different types of hulls because the, the design of your boat is going to have an impact on how much of a wake you're throwing for other boaters. So tell us a little bit about the differences there and the different types of hulls. So um, basically uh, most displacement hulls, um, trawler type hulls, they, they leave, they're normally running at like a hull speed, their hull speed, which that's their efficient speed. And they're leaving a, uh, what's called a bow wake. In the bow wake, the boat is, the boat is basically level in the water and, and um, the wake is not that significant. So a lot of cruisers in, you know, 40 foot trawlers, uh, displacement hulls, they can pretty much maintain a, you know, five, six, seven mile an hour or not run and not leaving much of a wake. But there's a lot of boats like planing hulls that they not only leave a bow wake, but they start leaving a uh, like a prop wash wake. And that's a stern wake. And then as they go a little bit faster, depending upon the length of the boat, the stern will start to squat a little bit. And when it does, it leaves a pretty good size wake off, off of the stern of the boat. And th that can be at, at a eight nine knot run that could be a dangerous wake for someone out in a fishing boat someone tied to a dock um so know your boat uh, the, the the key component is you know how fast what, what what speed should i be going in my boat that i don't leave a wake I, I, you know this boat over there is going faster than me and he's not leaving a wake so i should be able to go the same speed that's not always true just know your boat and know the weight that it makes and, and make your adjustments to speed for that. Yeah. And I think something pe people overlook is um, looking behind you to see what your wake is doing while you're trying to learn what that speed is. Um, because if you look back and see that you've really rocked another boat, that's just, you know, minding their own business fishing, you might want to consider slowing down the next time. So 
I'm here in Florida right now. There are different types of uh, zones. Some are no wake, some are slow speed. Kind of define no wake. So if you're truly in a no wake zone, what does that mean? And how do you know you're going slow enough? So a no wake zone is pretty much is, you know, there, there's a legal definition, um, but I don't, my, my definition of a no wake zone is you go as slow as the boat can go level, be able to have some control over it or have control over it and leave as small of a wake as possible. Basically a no wake means no wake. It's, it, it isn't like slow down a little bit. It means you don't leave a wake. And, and in some boats, you can go five, six miles an hour. The, the minimum is, I think the federal minimum when you're in a no-wake zone is five miles an hour. And some mm-hmm. boats go five miles an hour and leave virtually no wake. And some boats at five miles an hour are leaving, uh, actually a smaller boat at five miles an hour is leaving a larger wake than a, larger boat um Mm -hmm. and then you have so there's a lot of larger boats that have big engines that are doing the loop uh or or sport fish that are they have big engines with big reverse gears and big props and when they're just in idle in gear they're doing seven eight knots and they're leaving a wake so you know they're like well that's slow as a boat will go well there's also you also have shift you know neutral forward neutral forward and and you can have pretty good control over your boat that way because that's how you put it into a slip so there's no excuse for i have to have them in forward to get through this channel you can still control your boat so it's all about no wake is basically no wake yeah and that makes sense and um i'm with you on some of the really highly powered um sport fishers we were uh our home port marina in Charleston had a lot of sport fishers and um, we would get waked all of the time by them just leaving the marina in gear. Um, and you're right, bumping it in and out of gear back to neutral would would solve that problem quite a bit. Um, in some places, especially here in Florida, you do see uh, some posted zones that are no wake, but you also see some that are posted um, slow speed, minimal wake. So kind of you know in in plain terms what does that mean how fast is slow speed so uh most of those are there's a lot of manatee zones in in florida and it's it's what they call minimum wake so it basically it's it's a, it's it's not looked at the same especially in florida um but minimum wake means don't be up on plane leave as minimum wake as you can go slow uh these are normally they're manatee zones or hazard zones where there's bridges uh it's uh more confined channels um it's it's basically areas of uh congestion um so uh, minimum minimum uh wake zones are basically leave as small of a wake as you can, keep the boat under control. And again, look behind you. If, you. if you're not sure if you're leaving too big of a wake, then the best thing is just slow down a little bit more and make sure that you're not rocking and rolling other boats that are out there. And, yeah. and when you're in a lot of Florida waters in those minimum wake zones, there, there's a lot of smaller pleasure craft and they're, 
going a little bit faster, leaving a little bit more of a wake. Um, the goal isn't to keep up with everybody. The goal is to get through those areas and try to be as safe as you can and courtesy to others. If someone isn't being courtesy, has, doesn't have courtesy for you or others, doesn't mean that you don't have to do it for them. There was so much in that last uh, comment, Brian, that was just really spot on. Um, you know, loopers, for the most part, are not in a rush. So absolutely, if you're in doubt, if you're throwing too much wake, slowing down is never the wrong thing to do, <laughs> first of all. Um, but you're also right. We were just uh, this past weekend went from Punta Gorda to Fort Myers through the what's known as the miserable mile down there by Fort Myers on a Saturday, which is something most loopers would avoid doing because of the boat traffic there is absolutely insane. Um, and there were lots of the smaller boats uh, being what you know we would consider discourteous. Um, but we're flying that AGLCA Birdie. We also have a big old logo on the side of the boat. So, um, you know, that doesn't mean that we're going to be discourteous back to them. And I would super encourage everybody who is flying the Birdie um, to follow those rules of just being extra courteous. There is no harm in being extra courteous. Um, and, you know, it just takes a couple of people being discourteous to give everybody flying a Burgi a bad name. So like I said in the beginning, that's one of the things that probably pains me the most is when people reach out and say, I just got waked terribly by somebody flying your Burgi. So I appreciate those comments, Brian, because like I said, they're spot on. Um, let's take a moment and just take a break. I'll play a message from some of our sponsors. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about kind of what to do in places that are not posted as no wake, because it still doesn't mean that you can just fly through there at all times. So we'll pick up on that topic and we'll be back in a moment. Welcome aboard What Yacht to Do. Sam and Rev have completed two loops with videos of each trip on YouTube. Now their goal is to help you prepare for your trip. Their services include online courses, coaching, training, and boat delivery. You can prepare for the loop from the comfort of your own home with their online introductory courses. You get a digital workbook and a way to interact and ask questions. You'll even receive a certificate of completion. Go now and sign up for our free newsletter at whatyachttodo.com or greatloopacademy.com, and they'll send you some free boating goodies. Schwartz & Company Yacht Sales is a boutique yacht sales organization and a proud supporter of AGLCA, loopers, and adventurous souls throughout the Great Lakes. We are the exclusive representative for American Tug throughout the Great Lakes region, including the Canadian provinces of Ontario and Quebec. We are very active in the yacht brokerage market on both the buy side and sell side, providing our guidance and resources to valued customers. We also work with shipbuilders, both in the US and abroad to bring our customers unique dreams to life. We welcome the opportunity to earn your business. We're back on the Great Loop Radio podcast. Today, we are talking about watching your wake, and our guest is Brian Brown. He is a gold looper and has spent a lifetime in the maritime industry, and he is sharing um, some of the, the definitions, essentially, of slow wake and no wake. Um, I don't think we yet talked, Brian, about safe speed and how that applies to your wake. So tell us about that. So safe speed zones are basically your... your uh you have to use your own common sense in those mm -hmm. areas. The common sense, it's on the intercoastals, uh, on 
the Great Lakes, when you're on the Great Lakes, space, a safe speed zone is whatever you're comfortable running. You've got plenty of water around you. Um, your wake is going to eventually dissipate down to maybe a roller when it gets, you know, half a mile out. It, and it, there's really, you really should have no concern of what kind of wake you're leaving when you're in big, big bodies of water. But when you, when you come from a big body of water into a smaller, narrower uh, bay, channel, river, um, your, your wake doesn't dissipate and, and your wake is, uh, um, can be much more damaging to other boats, people, docks, uh, ramps, marinas, fuel docks. So those are, you, it's just a common courtesy. It's using common sense. When you get into what's what's called space safe speed zones, it's it, it it just means that run your boat at a safe speed in that area based on what the surroundings are. Um, that's it's pretty. That's as simple as it is. Yeah. And I mean, some of this is about situational, situational awareness. I mean, there have been times when Michael's been driving and um, has, you know, pulled it back and I've looked up to see what he saw that I hadn't seen yet. And, you know, there could be a, a small fishing boat um, just along the riverbank that's in a shadow. Um, but it's looking for things like that because you don't courteous and safe boating would mean you don't only slow down to no wake when it is posted. Um, and we've talked a little bit about some of the other times that you should slow down, but just kind of, you know, just to make sure everybody's clear, what are some of the other things, even if it's not posted, that it is courteous to slow down as you're passing? So in uh, confined areas, uh, congestion, boat congestion, passing a boat, uh, boat passing you, um, in areas where there's restaurants and there's docks, um, a lot of those areas are not posted no wake zones because it's from what I have been told for years, it's very hard to get an area posted as a no wake zone. And a lot of marinas, boat ramps, uh, boat clubs, they put up signs that say no wake area, but they're not really true designated. They're just kind of reminders that, hey, could just slow down in these areas. Um, and there are places where there are no signs, but all of those combined boat ramps, restaurants, docks, uh, when you're in congested areas on the intercoastal waterways, you'll see homes on both sides of the water and they have docks. Most of them are on lifts, but they, they still have docks there and might be some kids out swimming, uh, um, the canoers, kayaks, um, you know, we're all running and larger power boats. So uh, it's just, those are the areas that when you're piloting, captaining a boat, you have to look at the safety of yourself, everybody on board your boat and the safety of anybody that's out on the water. This one, this is kind of a tough question, um, but we've talked about, you know, people who are used to boating on big bodies of water probably aren't as familiar with this idea of slowing down as you're passing things. Um, is there a way to tell, you know, when you are far enough away from, let's say, a marina to just proceed at speed versus when to slow down? Or is it just kind of a judgment call each and every time? It's, I, I would say it's a, <clears throat> it's a judgment call that we all make mistakes in. I, right. I'm, 
I mean, it's <laughs> believe me, I, I I would I wouldn't be telling the truth if I said I hadn't waked a marina or a boat a fisherman that I didn't see or or thought I was far enough away and like oh wow look at he's you know look back and like probably should have slowed down or even passing another vessel um, thinking that you know you're far enough away you look back at your wake and it, it's you know it's you're navigating there's times that you make mistakes so that that's it's kind of one of those uh questions that you have to answer for yourself yeah and that's 100 percent true that you know we have all made those mistakes um and, and that's one of the reasons that i have seen you know pretty major wakes be resolved captain to captain when they got at the to the dock that night or pick up the radio and say oh, i'm so sorry i didn't see you there uh, you know, my apologies. Um, you know, and and that said, um, as I said in the beginning, we all kind of can do our own part in our own boat to minimize damage that's going to happen when you're waked. Um, you know, we had a pretty egregious one where we, we were tied up to a dock for the night and got terribly waked. And, um, you know, we happened to be eating dinner at the time. So the glass of wine I had spilled and broke the glass. It was a pretty egregious waking. I probably shouldn't have had a glass, wine glass, <laughs> where I was. Um, so, you know, just consider that as hard as you might try, uh, you are going to get waked some of the time. And it could be from a boat, but it could just be the conditions on the waterway. So the best way to kind of defend yourself against things getting broken is to minimize the breakable stuff and make sure things are secured. And we have a list of things that we put on the floor before we get underway some of them were learned the hard way <laughs> when the coffee pot, you know, fell off the counter. Um, so that can also help your own frustration if you do get waked, if you've pre-prepared to minimize the damage that's going to, going to happen from that. Um, we've talked on this podcast before about the concept of a, um, a slow pass. And it surprised me when I found out how unfamiliar with that concept a lot of really long-term boaters are and i get i think it depends on where your boating experience has been um if you're on a wide open body of water without a whole lot of boat traffic you're not so concerned about a slow pass but uh just you know give us the basics and if you're looking for more on this go to the greatloop.org website there are articles on a slow pass but frank just give us kind of the basics on what is a slow pass so slow and like you said, it, if you're boating in bigger bodies of water, slow passes, um, you don't really necessarily do or call for. Um, slow passes are more uh, used on like the river systems, the intercoastal waterways, uh, uh, more congested areas. Um, and most loopers kind of learn the 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 right way to do a slow pass, even though it isn't a slow pass, is when they're doing the river system, most will always call tow captains and say, hey, we're, 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 uh, we're gonna overtake you, um, what, what side do you want me? Or if they're getting uh, passed, um, what, what side do you want us on? And, and, and normally you, you're going slow when you go past them and, and you kind of follow those rules. You kind of get the idea of what a slow pass is, even though that isn't a slow pass. It's basically asking for permission to pass. What side do you want to pass on? And then make your approach, get around. And once you get around, then you maintain your normal speed. So on a slow pass on, this is, this is my definition or how mm -hmm. I use a slow pass. 
pass, uh, like on intercoastals, the river systems, if I'm going to be passing a boat close enough that they are going to be affected by my wake and they're running, most of the time we're all running about the same speed, maybe a mile an hour faster. Uh, so that's when the slow pass kind of comes into effect. So you, when you're, when you're coming up on to a, what's called a privileged boat, that is the boat that is going to be overtaken. And, and you, you, you are basically what's called the giveaway vessel. You're coming up on them. It's a, it's a courtesy call. I usually just call on 16, uh, call the vessel's uh, boat name, switch to a different channel, and just say, uh, you know, we're, we're coming up on you. Um, I, I'd like to have permission to pass you on the port if that's good. Starboard, what's good for you? And then they'll, they'll respond back. And then say, would you like a slow pass? Some vessels don't really care. And they will say, just come on around me, Cap. And, and you maintain the same speed as they are. And they're, they're accepting that whatever wake you're making at that speed. And you try to give a wide berth and, and go around. And they know you're coming. And that gives them a chance to be able to maneuver their boat, that they can bring their bow over and ride through the waves. And then in some cases, they'll, they'll request, can you give me a slow pass? So when a slow pass... And, and this happened, a slow pass, this is what's supposed to happen. The vessel that is being overtaken, the privileged vessel, is, should normally bring his throttles all the way back to idle. And now he's just almost dead in the water, just making enough headway that he can, can keep control of the boat. As, as the, the, the giveaway vessel is coming around, He's, he's coming around on whatever side both captains agreed on. He backs his throttle down to just a, a, a speed, just a little bit faster than, than the, uh, 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 the privileged vessel. Then once they go around, both boats are leaving very little wake. And once they go around, the the uh, the uh, giveaway vessel starts to pull his throttles off and get main gets back up and maintains its normal cruising speed and and the the uh, um, uh, vessel being overtaken goes back to his normal speed. Everybody's happy. That's how a slow pass in my that's my definition of how a slow pass should happen. What, what but what does happen quite a bit is. You'll you'll have a you'll have a radio contact with with a captain that you're going to be overtaken. You've agreed on one whistle, two whistle side, whichever one is agreed on. I'm going to give you a slow pass, and you start to back off your throttle, but they don't. So then you start to you start to throttle up a little bit, and and now now you're now you're just basically running right alongside him because you don't want to give him a wake because he asked you to give you a slow pass, but he's not slowing down, so you you eventually give him a wake because uh, there, there's that miscommunication as to what a slow pass is. A slow, you know, what I, I think a lot of captains on slower vessels think if I'm a forty eight foot sea ray leaving a and i'm up on plane and i requ and they request a slow pass from me they feel that <clears throat> eight miles an hour is better than 18 knots getting past so 
I'll just stay at the same speed, but they still get waked pretty bad. So uh, a slow pass, when, when, when two captains agree on a slow pass, the, the boat being overtaken should come down to a dead idle <clears throat> and the vessel overtaking maintains a speed just faster than that and in the whole trans the whole the whole transfer takes much it goes much faster and much smoother you are a hundred percent right and i've seen it happen so many times and really the key to that successful um slow pass that you just described is the vessel wanting the slow pass slowing down if you are wanting a slow pass and you don't slow down enough you're giving them no choice but to wake you. Um, and I think that is exactly the part that's often missed. So we kind of preach about that a lot is that, you know, make sure you also slow so that they can pass you more slowly. Um, and, you know, again, and this goes should go without saying, but have your VHF on, have it tuned to 16 um, so that that captain to captain communication can happen. Because that also, there's nothing more frustrating than seeing a, a big fast boat coming up behind you at 20 knots and you're going about seven and there's no sign of them slowing down and you try to radio them to ask for a slow pass and you get absolutely no response. So um, don't be that guy. <laughs> Make sure you're listening to your radio. Um, I appreciate you sharing that, Brian, because I think there's been a lot of details that have been super helpful. For some of our members, they may seem a little bit elementary, um, but for others who have not experienced this kind of close, you know, smaller waterways, and we'll be doing them on the Great Loop, I think it's super helpful. One last thing that I think is um, kind of pretty basic boating, and of course, we encourage everybody to take a basic boating safety course. You actually need that certificate for some of the states on the loop to be able to legally cruise through them. And this should be covered in that, but my own experience with my, uh, I have a son who is a rocket scientist, very bright kid, grew up boating in Charleston. And over the summer we were on um, Lake Gunnersville, kind of turning over our little bow rider boat to him now that he's a, an adult and has been boating his whole life. And another boat was coming and he took the wake right on the side of the boat and we did the rock thing. <laughs> and I said, why did you turn into the wake? And he's like, I didn't know you should do that. He's taken a boating safety course. He's boated his whole life and he should understand the physics of how to take a wake. <laughs> but go ahead. Uh, like like I said, to most boaters, it should it seems a little bit elementary, but even people that you think understand perhaps don't. So let's be super clear. If you do see a wake coming for you, what is the best way to steer the boat to take that wake best? So if, if, I, if I'm being overtaken, uh, if, if I'm being overtaken, which means a boat is passing me, leaving a wake, I'll usually, one, I'll slow down, slow my boat down, and, and I, will, I will take as wide of a swing away from the wake as I can. And then as I get around and I come back and I try to quarter my bow through the waves, and then as, I, as I'm quartering through, then I'll start bring, bringing it back to get into the prop wash of the boat that passed me. If, if I have a boat coming, if I'm going upstream and there's a boat coming downstream and he's leaving a big wake, I just basically, I'll still take a wide swing out and then I'll start coming in. And, and, and again, I, I'll either straight bow in or most of the time I'll take, I'll take a quarter uh, 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 like off my, if a, boat is coming downstream, I'm going upstream, 
I'll, I'll have the wake kind of hit the quarter of my, my uh, port bow and just yeah. kind of slice through. It is a much more comfortable ride taking it at about that 45 degree angle or so than taking it on the beam. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's not going to completely eliminate the wake, but it is going to save some of your stuff from being tossed around if you, if you do it that way. So we've covered a, a lot of ground, Brian, but I think, and I'm, I'm hopeful this is really helpful for people who have never really considered um, the impact of their wake on others because they've been boating in other areas. So hopefully this will do something to kind of uh, make loopers more courteous and just kind of aware of the implications of throwing a wake. So I really appreciate you you sharing your knowledge because I know it's not necessarily an easy topic to cover. So appreciate you being here today. Okay, well, thank you for inviting me. It has been my pleasure. Thank you to everyone who has watched or listened this week. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Great Loop Radio podcast. Until then, safe cruising.